Get ready to tap into the minds of the founding fathers of SEO. Rocket, rocket to the next generation of search engine optimization 3.0 with traffic that will put your website into a head-on collision. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO. Now, here are the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, the SEO, SEO rock stars. Yeah, baby. Welcome to the SEO rock stars. It is May 10th, 2016, and this is Chris Boggs. I am your host, and I'm joined by our outstanding content curator, Mr. Frank Watson, Aussie webmaster. How goes it? Good, man. It's been a productive week since last we spoke. It has been. It's been a busy search week, and we got a lot of good SEO stuff to talk about today. So uh, let's get right into it. First off, our friends over at Media Post, um, Lori Sullivan, um, wrote on May 5th, 2016 Bing is now accounting for. Uh, one quarter of its searches being uh, coming through voice-based searches. So we were just talking before the show about how we're going to get into a li- this topic a little bit more uh, on a future episode with a guest. Uh, but uh, tell us about this article. And, and, I mean, I would suspect if Bing seeing, you know, a quarter of its searches being voice-based, I-, I would wonder how many of Google's are. Oh, exactly. And it's just... Ever since you know, the, the, our phones have had that ability to talk into them, it is amazing how many – you see people walking the streets of New York talking into their phones. It's so hilarious. It used to be they were just you know, tapping away. Now they're just holding the phone up to their mouths and asking things. So, And what's funny is if you think about the old uh, – what, what phone system was it? I used to use it when I was driver. I drove limos and sedans for a while where you just push button talk. So it's already something that we're – yeah, you had like the, the, it was almost like a CB type of yeah. thing between your different, all the people that shared phones and, the, and your uh, system. Right. And I actually saw a funny uh, meme the other day about somebody uh, letting out a uh, flatulence and it became an entire mirror.co.uk article or something like that because it was caught on the voice <laughs> thing. So voice is definitely here to stay. Can SEOs do something to try to ensure that they're optimizing for voice, I think, is something we should discuss because, um, you know, obviously voice questions are often, uh, I think, phrased in a sort of a real language manner. Uh, So does that mean potentially that um, testing some headlines in relation to answering questions that may be uh, being sought uh, for the particular product or location, especially if you're a local business, uh, thinking about how you're creating your page titles and so forth, I think uh, could be a good way to test how um, you know the increase in voice uh, types of searches also leads to an increase in those one box uh, or uh, type of results as well, right, Frank? Yeah, and, and the thing is... Uh in a recent hangout, uh, John Mueller was talking about how they, it isn't there now, but they're, part of their roadmap for the near future is the ability to differentiate. You know, that this is what's happening is there's going to be a lot of segmentation developed inside of the search console so that we can sort of see the different areas of where search is coming from. What be it rich snippets and knowledge box clicks, because you, know, you may have 
three or four different results on the same page. And they were talking about integrating the same sort of segmentation for, for voice searches. And he says that, you know, it's something that they've been talking about, but that it's going to take a little bit, which I imagine it does. You know, one, they're finding that the searches are a little longer when you're using audio, when you're talking into your phone to ask something, you get a little verbose. So they've got to work a methodology around that. But, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, we're moving in that direction. And if, Google's going to stay on top of what they've got as far as their analytics and their webmaster tools slash search console. They're going to have to be able to give us information on it so that we can make uh, intelligent decisions on, on what we're doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, another key point, a great point, Frank, or points, and, and the point in the Media Post article about linguistics and inflections in the voice playing a more important role in the future are certainly relevant as well. I mean, if you start to think about how uh, Google a machine may be able to interpret a search, uh, there are going to be some words which will be interpreted one way in the South and another way in the North and another way in the West, potentially, right? So uh, there's a lot of things to consider there. So as an SEO, uh, you need to be doing test voice searches. That's the bottom line and understanding uh, you know, if you're showing up number one for something in text relatively consistently, uh, does that mean that if someone voices that search and, and at Bing as well, uh, don't forget Bing, uh, and that's what this article's about. So uh, check that out if you want to see more about that at uh, the Search Marketing Daily search blog over at Media Post from Laurie Sullivan. Going on to our next topic, um, we find that as you were, <laughs> similar web. Dot com uh, reports the state of mobile web in the U.S. in 2015. Uh, so this was published back in February 21st, uh, but it's something that we wanted to tie into this topic. Uh, tell us about uh, the, you know some of the key points that uh, are in this data. By the way, similarweb.com, we've been hitting a few times this year. Uh, it's a nice source of data and, and, and also the way that they kind of grab their data and put it together into some of these articles uh, uh, make a lot of sense. So, Frank. Yeah, well, basically, they just <clears throat> theirs is more about the breakdown between mobile and desktop, uh, about how, and it's interesting what they're showing is that uh, the bounce rate is higher on mobile, the, the time that you spend on the site's a little shorter, uh, the number of pages. So, while mobile is becoming you know now according to reports from google it actually has broken the 50 percent barrier it's it's a shorter engagement so you've really the importance there of <clears throat> the fact that you've got ads over the top and the way that google's laying some of this stuff out you've really got to be quick about it and you've got to maybe work a little bit harder about getting better rankings for specific things and again it comes back to are people searching differently when they use a mobile device versus a desktop device? Is that because they're typing in on those little keyboards, are they tending to be shorter? That doesn't come up here as actual, you know, the length of the query. But definitely, you know, the it shows you that the people spend more time engaging with search results on the desktop versus mobile. 
Yeah, and I think you could look at this the other way too, potentially, right? And this is the goal that, um, you know, maybe it's also a result of people finding what they want on a mobile device quicker if they're spending less time on the site and a less average page for visit. I mean, obviously that would be, uh, you know, Google's best case scenario is that, uh, especially on a mobile device, you're on the go. So I, I would suspect there is some, uh, you know, as we know, AMP, for example, is a great example of where they've been able to, uh, you know, uh, diminish the time that it takes for a page to load. Uh, and, and that is obviously seen as a positive user experience on mobile. So uh, I think some other data that could come into play here is, you know, if somebody finds uh, the, the particular piece of content on a mobile unit, uh, it's that much more likely that they got to close out that browser because either they're driving and they got to pass someone, which is horrible to say, but in, in some cases that's the case. Uh, but also, you know, their bus stop comes up or whatever. So some of this data, I think you have to wonder how it's skewed by that because in general, the average time on site on a desktop can also be increased because someone leaves the tab open, right? So. Uh, good data and uh, another kind of layer where if you're considering SEO, um, you know, or you're working on SEO, you have to consider how mobile maps into your overall strategy. Oh, exactly. And, and the other, you know, like you had said, there's a lot of elements and you can't forget that you've got that ability in mobile to do a click to call. You know, the connection of a phone number where you can just hit it and now you're connected and you're off the site. So, yeah. There's a whole bunch of factors that impact those difference in numbers. So taking it a different direction briefly before we go to break, uh, there was an interesting article that I caught the other day, uh, and I'm glad that you uh, had it. Uh, I guess yeah, I caught it on another source the other day, um, uh, but I'm glad you had it on the list today, which is that Google was testing uh, black uh, text, essentially, in the links uh, that if you're used to doing search results and you're always seeing blue, uh, Google was apparently, and uh, there's some screenshots of them testing the black, and it, it looks kind of weird. It's almost like it's, uh, you know, blackout night at Google, some party night or, uh, you know, Halloween or it's just very strange looking. Or uh, It's a black and white print, but then there's the weird color coming in in the images, you know. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, as we know, Google is constantly testing and this just happened to be tested out to a certain audience that found it and went, oh, okay. And then the reaction of it was, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't been able to replicate it. I haven't seen anyone in the last day or so talking about it still being around. So I think just from the pure reaction of people, Google may have said, okay, well, that didn't work. And said, okay, well, let's get back to blue. Yeah, well, maybe it could end up being one of those commands where if you type in uh, tilt or whatever, and uh, then the uh, page will actually turn on its side. It can be a secret uh, Google Easter egg, uh, but certainly wasn't met with great uh, feedback, like you mentioned. And it does look a little strange, uh, but like many things, uh, you know, people get used to it. What we have to be concerned about as SEOs, obviously, is, uh, you know, if they all become black then, and then there's still that little ad box, but it becomes less and less obvious, especially with four ads above the fold, you know, to uh, a regular uh, searcher, uh, what are the paid and what are the organic results, right? And that's, that's uh, you know, I think from an SEO perspective, what we have to worry about, Frank, is that it could be further obfuscation testing of those two types of results. 
Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. That you know, possibly that was Google's way of trying to get more clicks to the paid searches. Yeah. So let's take a break and let's come back with some more with you. So stay with us here on SEO Rockstar. With more SEO rock stars right after this. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars. All right, we are back, and I'm still reading through some of these tweets. It's amazing the horror that these people had by seeing black uh, links in Google instead of blue. Uh, you got to check it out. Uh, if you can get over the telegraph spelling the word color and all these tweets spelling the word color with a U, uh, which is kind of also, you know, to me, I see all those word colors with a U in it, and that's just as horrible as the uh, black links. But we move along from the telegraph article into our next set of topics. The SEM post is uh, posted, um, oops, had a, one of those calendar reminders that pops up at the exact wrong moment. Local business, how Google displays search analytics data in Search Console, uh, May 10th by Jennifer Slegg. So um, we're going to actually cover a few local topics during this segment. Frank, uh, why don't you introduce this one? And I think you uh, just mentioned John Mueller earlier. Yeah, <clears throat> this one's interesting because a lot of the times, if you're specifically in local, there are a bunch of different places where your search results can come up. You can have your, you know, knowledge graph box of your company on the side of someone searching for it. You've got your main domain name. You've got your listing in the uh, the pack. So there are three listings, and 
the question was put to John, how many times, you know, there are three different things in the search results. Are those seen as three impressions? But apparently he, he's saying, no, we know enough not to count it three times as impressions so that it gives people a better uh, full understanding of how Google's counting. Your, your, uh, you may get a bunch of different listings because of, of your pages. If they're extended beyond the same URL, they're going to count as a different impression. But if, they're, if you have three results from the different areas with the same business URL, then it's only counted as one, which is something that you should be aware of when you're, when you're looking at your analytics or if you're looking in Search Console. Yes, I, I 100% agree, and um, you know that it's it, it's just another point that shows that this is a constantly changing area. You have to keep track of uh, both on the analytics side as well as on the Google My Business side, and some of the things that you can change around in there as well. Um, so, jumping to the next local, uh, we talk about Google Search Console updated the Search Analytics Report and now it's Knowledge Graph, Local, and Rich Snippets as reported today um, by Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land. So let's talk about this uh, additional um, version and of content that we're getting from Google. Yeah, I mean, this, this one and Jen's are, are largely covering the same sort of uh, discussion. It may actually be the same you know, office hours, presentation. I didn't quite... It's a different part of it that they're covering, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, it's the use of... They're, they're giving you the ability to have a look at the engagement with rich snippets and uh, you know, telling people to, to be aware of just how you can use them and, and you know, what, what's going on. So, yeah, and then if you look on April 27, 2016, uh, they refined the standards for calculating clicks and impressions. So this is pretty important, especially, you know, when you're trying to figure out uh, some of your data and how it flows back and forth between Search Console and the queries landing. Um, you know, the queries and landing page report that, that comes in through the Search Console data, uh, you know, that's what is, is essentially going to get affected. So if you've been reporting on this stuff, it's possible that you're going to, I think, see uh, a change in the metrics that you would typically uh, have, and it might cause a few uh, heart attacks or something, either of joy or of, of negativity, uh, once we, uh, you know, look at this data over a set period, if it's been re been reported on in the past, uh, you know, with the same metrics. That's what I would uh, suggest is, is one of the key learnings from this, too, as well. Yeah, and then if you, you know, if inside of your search analytics, you're, you're also importing your AdWords. You've got to be aware that, uh, you know, and I was actually in a hangout a little earlier today where uh, one of the guys, Imran, uh, was talking about how it's not a bad idea when you're, when you're using paid search because a lot of the times there's been a lot of PPC reports that say if you're, if you prove, for example, your brand name, if you include a paid search and, and you're number one for organic, there's a lot of reports in the old days that it got lift to both of them. And it was brought up that, yeah, but a lot of times all those reports were written by people that were either search engines pushing PPC or tool companies that helped manage PPC because they wanted to be able to add the brand name into it, possibly. But what Imran was saying is, if you're going to do that, what you should do on the paid side 
is actually send it to a different page so that you can do a little bit of experimentation. Which is, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of different real estate now with all the different things, especially for local businesses. And if you're doing local search and you've got your rich snippets that you can set up uh, and you, you know, inside of your search console, you can set up specifically what, what links you want or don't want necessarily. If Google's putting up ones that you don't want going to it, it's not a bad idea if you're also doing some paid stuff to test landing pages there that don't necessarily get straight to your homepage. Yep. Now, you know, here we are in 2016. Let's move on to this next topic, which we'll hit for a little while before our next break. At whitespark.ca, which I like that source you found there, Frank, uh, we have top local citation sources by country. And I'm going to try to pronounce uh, the author's name, Yagoslav Zekov, or Zekov maybe. Um, they have a uh, selection process that they've used uh, to basically rely uh, uh, to rate uh, the top citation sources by country to assist you in building uh, in building your business listing domination. So I like that. So the top 50 citation sources in the U.S. are listed here, and they have their criteria as being how many connections a website has in that country's local search ecosystem, such as how many companies uh, source information from them, how many sources used to be determined the accuracy of the business information, the oversize, uh, overall size of the business information database, the number of occurrences in competitive researches, uh, availability of adding, claiming, and removing a standardized process, and general strength and trustworthiness of the domain. So, you know, maybe you would probably expect yellow pages and super pages to sit atop of a list like that or even Foursquare, but they're actually down in the 10 and dozen area behind uh, Express Update which is number one on this list, and then Localese, Axiom, which I would actually definitely expect to be in the top three. Info USA uh, would be another one that uh, I'm still kind of looking for. I don't know, that they get kind of uh, meld melded into Axiom? That might have been. And, and the thing that you've got to also realize is, like, for example, Localese, it's a $300 buy. So these aren't all... Here's free places to go and get citations. It's just like you know, there. Some of these can add quite a, a bit to your local uh, cost. There's some that are free, but it's definitely worth checking out and double you know, seeing whether or not you're in there. Um, I think you know. I mean, just in general, the discussion is too. Frank is, you know, we've had. A, a bit of a, a change in the weather uh, from an SEO perspective over the last 10 years and how links are treated and how, especially directories and, and things like that, right? So I would suggest that, you know, these top 50 citation sources in the United States represent really for local businesses what's left, right? Out of hundreds of thousands, really, of possible ways that you could get links and stuff. So does but it also mean, does, go ahead. I don't see best of the web local in there. That's true. There's a few that are missing, obviously. But uh, the point is that you know we've that. contracted probably down to you know. Uh, I mean, is it is that the case, or I mean, because you know we see a lot of people that are automatically going to you know uh, 
uh, disallow, for example, or disavow uh, an old school directory that's best-seo-links.com or something like that, and they can't get in touch with them and they can't get rid of that link. But, uh, you know, those used to be an important part of providing you know, some authority to your domain. So what I, my next question to you, Frank, is do you think that given this list and the fact that they are really more uh, aligned with local, and there's another subject that came up today around a particular e-commerce company that tried to set up their local listing wrong and ended up you know, losing a bunch of national traffic for it. We'll have to talk about that another time. But what I'm getting at, Frank, is you know, are these 50 citation sources really only useful if you have a local uh, business uh, address or should you be leveraging these even across uh, some more e-commerce or uh, online only type businesses? Oh, well, I mean, some of them obviously are, would have a national reach. So, you know, for a company, you'd want to most probably get in there. I mean, Facebook's in there. So, I mean, if you're a national company, you definitely want that. Um, you know, Yellow Pages, I imagine that's going to have impact anywhere. You know, there are some in here that would make sense from a national perspective even you know, others that would make a lot of sense for uh, franchises to, to maybe look at so that they can differentiate their, their various locations. But I think largely the vast majority of these are very much local-oriented, and it becomes that. You know, local businesses, that's the one perplexing thing, is they've got to find specific places. What's not on here are things like your local chamber of commerce. Uh, what aren't here are if you're a florist or if you're an auto dealership. You know, there are specific directories around niches. This is more very broad stroke, but it was a good list. And it's something that anyone that's doing local should at least have a look at, determine their budget, go through and have a look at some that'll give it to you for free others that are charging and weigh out the, the, the pros and the cons. I agree. And, uh, you know, just to add my thoughts on this list, I think that the uh, primary one uh, is Bing, uh, which I think a lot of people are missing. Um, I think it comes in at number eight. I actually uh, closed out that window. Let me pull back up real quick. Um, Bing Places, you know, everyone is focused in, and we've talked a lot about Google Places, but Bing Places is certainly an area that you want to get involved with. Um, I actually just... Uh, realized that I haven't done it and I started clicking on some links and uh, you know it automatically recognized who I was so it's bringing me in to uh, set up really uh, what I could be as an, as an agency account uh, so I can help clients actually get uh, Bing uh, places for business so I'm going to back out of this and set my own up first but there's some good uh, there's some good data um, that you can probably get in into Bing uh, through that listing. And uh, don't forget, Google My Business is something else to consider uh, from that perspective. So let's take a break. Uh, we're always thinking about links. Uh, so let us know at our Facebook page or via Twitter if you have some good ideas on what should make the top 50 citation sources in the United States. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And stay with us. We'll be right back.
we'll be back with more SEO rock stars right after this. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Now, let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO Rockstars. All right, we are back. Thanks for staying with us here on the SEO Rockstars. We're on to our last segment for the week. Uh, we have some friends over in Germany, and uh, they're good guys. Uh, OnPage.org actually has a good blog post that we are. Um, I'm going to be covering as soon as I get rid of their popover that just annoyed me. Uh, they actually um, are talking about URL lengths. So um, this is, you know, I think something that we haven't talked about in a little while as SEOs. For some time, uh, you know, there was different conversation around whether the length overall of a URL uh, was, you know, that important of a factor. Uh, certainly when you're looking at e-commerce URLs, and, and I think one of the hat tips we're going to give later is to a quick e-commerce URL best practice or e-commerce best practice article at Search Engine Journal. So we'll mention that later. But uh, that's uh, one example where you can get these obtuse URLs that are literally, uh, you know, two lines of code. Uh, so, Frank, um, have you reviewed this particular on-page uh, video and, and the uh, uh, analysis? Yeah, it was, it was. it's very interesting. And, I mean, hat tip to Marcus and his crew over there for you know, really getting into this. And I actually saw this through uh, Dwayne Forrester and had to comment to him that uh, – so in other words, why doesn't Bing outrank Google when you search for search engines in Google if Google prefers shorter URLs? But basically, 
what happens, and especially like you were commenting in e-commerce sites, we have that tendency to uh, create the architecture in such a way that there's categories, subcategories, then the product name. And it, you really don't need to. What Google's saying is they much prefer for you to you know, use an internal category methodology that doesn't have to be reflected in the URL, but it's that best practices. We want to get as many keywords as possible into the URL because we got taught that the URL is all important when it comes to you know, ranking factors and things like that. They don't mind that you, know, you don't have everything crammed in and they prefer it because it just makes that the whole process simpler. And um, you know, they, they're recommending that we develop the architecture a little differently now, given that we can use things like categories and they'll be associated with the, with the page content. Right, and I mean, this ties into the old, what I call the word pressification uh, discussion, you know, pulling, putting everything off the root because you simply can uh, within WordPress, and, and, and even people are trying to code to that sometimes as well. Um, I, I find it, you know, you know, I think this is a great example of where we're at now in the industry when you have a company like OnPage that's just very openly putting out content about how you know, they think this is a very important part of their tool and this is exactly how you use it and so forth. Essentially, they're giving their competitors a roadmap of something that they may want to consider doing. But I see a lot of the, you know, or at least some of the competitor blogs doing the same thing, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, I think you have search metrics. They're sharing some good content over there. But, uh, you know, there's uh, an opportunity now as we're growing in sophistication as SEOs to leverage these kinds of articles and, and the insights, even if you know you uh, are not uh, yet or or are not able to be, be an on-page, uh, I don't know if this is from their free tool or not, but uh, uh, the onpage.org Zoom module that they're talking about here. Uh, but uh, you know this is cool stuff, and I think it it really aligns with as SEOs nowadays. If you're not leveraging this kind of data, or at least learning from these kind of articles. Uh, as to what to look for or what to potentially uh, strive for in the, in, in, the, in this sense of short URLs, then you're probably missing the boat. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. If you're, if you're developing any sort of website that's going to have a large number of pages, you don't need to create the parent and the, sub, the child and then the subchild and then the subchild, which, like you had mentioned, the word pressification or any CMS now with that option of creating all that and everyone goes, oh, there's another chance to put a bunch of keywords in. Um, the, the search engines have gotten to the stage now where they can recognize the breadcrumb that doesn't have to follow because it's a plugin that you can put into virtually any CMS and they're seeing that on the page. So they're recognizing the relationship, they're recognizing the keyword associations, you know, all the things that maybe six, seven, eight years ago you needed to do because that was the way that the search ends were working. But now with the sophistication of what they've got and all the different aspects, and I hate to bring up that term rank brain and you know, machine learning and things like that and latent semantics, but there are elements of each of those that, that the search engines now use to be able to recognize how pages intersect with each other without having to put it all into the URL. Yep. 
And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, sort of stuff that we've been doing in the past, and and it's another example of the, uh, you know, the circle of life or whatever you want to call it, the uh, uh, vicious circle even sometimes that SEO is. Now, you, um, according to Jen Slag over at thesempost.com, Google reported, uh, or she reported this on May 6th, don't follow, don't no-follow your own internal links, or basically your internal links. Uh, according to um, Gary Illies, uh, where he did a keynote with Stone Temple, I guess on May 5th of 2016, um, he mentioned that no-follow is probably never the answer, especially on your own side. I can think of corner case scenarios where the target page will be roboted uh, if you don't want to get that page and blah, blah. So um, in respect to this, do you think that people that are using link sculpting um, and, and maybe have been doing so for a while, you know, trying to no-follow value to specific overhead pages on their website, uh, for example, like the terms of service or, or other pages that you don't care if they rank or not, you could, you know, as an old SEO strategy, try to link sculpt. Uh, there went through the whole cycle then where Google said that it wasn't really an equal then split of the remaining juice to the other links, so you were going to, it wasn't working. So this has been back and forth for a while. Um, you know, what are your thoughts, Frank, in terms of no-follows internally? Well, I mean, one, I think Google looks at your internal pages completely different to the way that they're doing things for external links now. And the other part of it is you don't need to create these no-follow wraparounds on, on these things because you just as easily put the no-index, no-follow on that particular page. You know, I mean, you don't – That's I think that's what Google – it's almost like you're flagging yourself for trying – some sort of link sculpting because that's how they're seeing it. It's as if you. Yeah, who else is using no follows internally, right? I mean, uh, it's interesting because I was actually analyzing a site in in a pretty um, uh, big sector earlier that had like a literally three to two no follow to follow link ratio, which I found, uh, considering the site's eminence and and it performed pretty well. Uh, to be quite, you know, abnormal, I've seen maybe like four to one, even uh, five to three at most uh, in terms of, you know, follow to no follow links for sites that are ranking well. But it's almost as if, uh, you know, external no follow links is not a big deal. So if you're using them internally, it, it's almost like it stands out even more like a big fat thumb or something, perhaps. Yeah. You know, I mean, they... Google expects you, and I think any search engine expects you to just have your own links and they do whatever they do. And if there are particular pages that you don't want indexed, put them, put no index in their particular head tag or do it in the robot's text file. You can specifically, you know, point that out that, you know, because you don't, you don't need to have your uh, privacy policies part of the index you don't need your terms and conditions as part of you know the search results you know it's just but you need a link to it uh, i mean they, they they definitely need to be there and depending on your your industry there are all sorts of requirements by you know like the sec and other government agencies that say well if you're trading or if you're doing certain types of business that you need to have links to certain yeah. state Yep. that don't necessarily need to be there 
because they're going to have to be on every page. So there's going to be you know a prominence to them. So you may as well just no index them as opposed to, you know, Google knows they, I, you know, to me, it's just, I've always been, I, one, I've never done link sculpting. It's just been something that I thought was pretty silly, but I have made a point of doing no index on pages like that because you want to, one, Google doesn't crawl every single page of your website constantly. So if you get it down, and, and there was an article re that was out there about how you should start shortening the number of pages that you push out for Google to you know, crawl because you know, creating these endless sitemaps isn't helping. If you, create a smaller, if you create a smaller sitemap, Google's going to come through. If that's where your important content is and any new stuff that you've added, you know, keep the 200 pages that are really important in your sitemap. And then if you're adding 10 pages a week or whatever the number is, put those down the bottom. And then when you add new ones, keep doing that change so that there's even a freshness on your sitemap, not just this constantly growing thing that, you know, Google's never going to crawl all the way through. And it just, if it's done poorly and, it, and some of these important pages are, alphabetically listed or help or whatever it's listed are down the bottom they're not getting to them so their value starts to wane a little right so what i think you and in summary i think it's a great point frank and and really over architecting seo is going by the way of the dodo bird right um it, you have to go back to some of the basics and 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 honestly um, you know what you described as simply using an XML sitemap and making sure that you're keeping stuff clean in the index is uh, seemingly simple stuff but uh, the more complex of a site the harder that is so get and master that you know seemingly uh, entry-level opportunity for SEO and then you can get uh, along with some of the more uh, fancy stuff like whether or not to use a nofollow but I think we both agree that nofollow should not be used internally really uh, for many reasons. Again, we'd love to hear from you if you disagree, so let us know. A quick hat tip because we are out of time for today, uh, but Frank, you bought into uh, play a great article, and I think especially because there includes some good 101 yeah, and kind of uh, ground building stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how to build an SEO strategy for e commerce by Anna Crow, uh, published today, May 10, 2016. Frank? Yeah, now this. This is it's a detailed article, and it really gives some great insights in not shooting for you know the higher end keywords to to look at what you can do as far as longer tail because that's the way people search, especially in e-commerce. They're not going in to Google and typing sheets. They're going you know queen size blue flannel sheets or or some you know flannel sheets or Egyptian cotton sheets. You know, when the e-commerce process, the, those keywords are uh, search terms are a lot longer than 
what a lot of people that want to go, okay, I want to rank for flannel sheets or I want to rank for sheets. Well, think about also the voice uh, search implications. And if you're using Android uh, and you bought a particular set of sheets last time, you can say, hey, what are the sheets I bought last time? But that doesn't mean you might buy it from the same place. You might still shop, you know, compare for price or something like that. So think of it that way. There's all kinds of different layers uh, from an SEO perspective. Frank, as always, great topics uh, you've chosen. Listeners, thank you for joining us and uh, join us next week live on uh, May 17th where we hope to have a special guest with us. Frank, have a great week. Everyone, rock on. The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited.